This is the program that really gets you thinking. Welcome to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Here's the guy who asks all the right questions. Your host, Ralph DeLugas. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our show this week. You are on the Loving Liberty Network and K-Talk Radio. I am your humble host uh, and truth seeker, fellow truth seeker, Ralph DeLugas, and you are listening to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, I think it bears mentioning every now and then why we're here. Um, We're here to seek truth. To me, a lie is a lie, uh, no matter who's telling the lie. And I think too often in our society, someone with high place, someone with a bunch of letters after their name is paid to tell you a lie. And this tool is used far too often to uh, take your – well, basically it boils down to to me one thing, that – All the world's governments, all the world's ruling elites are corrupt, in fact, have institutionalized corruption. And one of the greatest and most powerful tools they have done this with is by hijacking all of academia and science. Um, So when they completely change what you believe to be true, you're happy to give them all of your uh, rights out of fear or whatever. Um, and reluctantly, I am again pulled to the uh, to address the uh, climate hoax. Um, I don't like this one. To me, a child should be able to see through this. And I don't know, not not, not to. We're all busy. Like I totally get it. Like I honestly didn't pay any attention to to global warming for the longest time. Um, and once I did, it was pretty obvious what was going on. And um, but if you if all you hear is. Well, let's let's take a good friend of mine. Uh, Joe Carey sent me an article this morning. I think we'll start out here. Um, this is from your good friends at CNN, your friends and mine. Let me hurry and pull it up. The title of this article, oh, darn, darn, where is it? Um, oh, heck. Darn it. Well, actually, I, when I went to CNN's site, I saw several articles. One of them was Greenland is melting away in a heat wave, and that is everybody's problem. And you should see this picture, man. These guys are these guys are excellent propagandists. Um, you got this poor dude on a on a dog sled, and these dogs are waiting in um, knee deep water, and the water goes on forever. You don't see a snowflake or a piece of ice anywhere. It's like leaving you to believe these. All the ice is gone, and the dog sleds are basically having to swim through all the water. Um, another article, I gotta find this article because I wanted to read it to you guys. Maybe it's best. You know what? It might actually probably be best that we don't. Oh, you know, here it is. Okay. Greenland's ice sheet just lost 11 billion tons of ice. Just to give you a a taste, I've got to read some of this because this is just priceless. Um, after months of record temperatures, you know, that's interesting. I didn't notice that the first time I read this, which is, that's actually true. We have had record temperatures, except for they've been record cold temperatures. But we'll leave that part out like CNN. Um, scientists say Greenland's ice sheet experienced its biggest melt of the summer on Thursday. You know, wow, it experienced its biggest melt of the summer. Maybe that's because we're in the high point of summer, right? Its biggest loss of the summer, losing 11 billion tons of surface ice to the ocean, equivalent to 4.4 million Olympic swimming pools. Iceland's ice sheet is it usually melts during the summer, but the melt seasonally tip, uh, season the melt season typically began. I'm going to skip. So I'm going to skip a lot of their dribble here. Um, this article goes on to say, no, I've lost it. Um, goes on to say that. Um, 
in 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 very uh, fear mongering way that that because of this massive ice loss that um, the oceans the global ocean level has raised one half of a millimeter, and I thought to myself, wow, being you know an engineer and a machinist, you know distances are kind of always on my mind, and I'm thinking a half a millimeter, that's like three pieces of paper thick, right? But being there, they know they're talking to Americans that may very well not be familiar with uh, with how thick a millimeter is. To give you a little perspective, this horrible, horrible fear uh, mongering that they're doing, a half of a millimeter, um, a millimeter is 0.039 thousandths of an inch thick. Half of that would be 0 0.0195 thousandths of an inch thick, a piece of paper is, depending on the quality of the paper, is about four thousandths of an inch thick. So we're talking global, you're, you're supposed to be scared to death that global ocean levels, in the height of summer, I would add, um, have risen four pieces of paper of thickness in height. Like, oh my gosh, right? Um, to um, why should we be upset about this? I want, I want to I want to call up a graph real quick, which I wish I could share with you guys. But um, I was talking with my friend a little bit this morning about this, and I thought, well, um, my mind went automatically a couple places. For one, um, we've had a lot of increased uh, geothermal activity. We've had volcano volcanoes beginning to burp up all over the place, um, and this is caused by by the real things that we should be concerned about that you'll never hear from these global alarmists that seek nothing other than just their solution. Have you ever noticed that their solution is always the same? It doesn't matter what it is. The answer is always give us more money and give us more power and we'll fix it, right? Of course, they never fix it. But the real thing we should be worried about in this generation is uh, the uh, magnetic pole shift and our weakening shield. And I want to say, because this is really important, if you could try to listen really closely to this, our weakening shield will result, not may result, not could result, will result, and we're already observing this, in increased cosmetic, or cosmic rays. Cosmic rays cause cloud nucleation. They cause hail nucleation. They cause um, catastrophe, catastrophes in the Earth. We're already observing this. The hail is growing uh, in frequency and it's growing in size. We're seeing increasingly baseball, softball, grapefruit-sized hails where we never see hail. Um, this will happen and this is something that we should um, prepare for. Additionally, when the poles finally do flip and the jury's kind of out on exactly when that will happen, but this isn't thousands of years away. This is in our lifetime, guys. And for those of you that are Christians like me, you're probably not that surprised by any of this because we read all of this in um, in scriptures and we've been supposed to be preparing for this for a long time. But we'll we'll leave that uh, for a little later in the show. Um, another thing that we should be concerned about is uh, if you're on a coastline, I would definitely. And here's the good news about this. This is not going to sneak up on us. Um, it used to be that NASA would report this daily. Uh, where the poles were going to, and then too many people were getting upset about it. So they solved the problem, um, and their solution was they just stopped giving us the information. So now we're, we're kind of left to wonder. Uh, they were supposed to update us every five years on this, on the migrating poles, which have been speeding up exponentially. Um, they've increased many thousands of percent just in the last 10 years. Um, our shield is down roughly about 25%, and that will continue. But 
if you live on a coastline, I would stay tuned to the Loving Liberty Network. Um, is this something you're going to want to know about? I don't know how good you can swim, but I'm not familiar with anyone that can swim very effectively in a uh, half mile high wall of water that's traveling at three or four hundred miles an hour. Uh, if you believe some of the scientists out there, they're how do I explain this simply? We we live on an Earth that's spinning. Everybody knows this, right? If you're if you're standing at the equator, that speed is a thousand miles an hour. Um, this will affect the spin of the Earth, and it will affect the um, uh, the crust being locked to the core. When that gets when that force gets low enough, we will experience what has happened many times before. It's called crustal shift, and uh, some people have postulated that this crust, the, the Earth, will actually stop spinning for a short period of time, and the oceans will come rushing forward. And if you're at the uh, equator, that would be a thousand miles per hour, a couple miles high. Um, I can't imagine that going that way. I think it would be more gradual. But um, when we read about tumultuous uh, oceans and angry waves in uh, Scripture, in places like Isaiah, where I would absolutely trust him over any scientist today, um, I think that's something to be concerned about. But anyway, that's enough about global warming. I think actually we've got a few more articles. Let me give you some uh, some truthful some truthful headlines. Uh, moose jaw hits the floor. Multiple all-time low temperature records fall in Saskatchewan. It was literally 37 degrees in Minnesota this week, in July, yeah, in the end of July. Uh, we also have uh, an international falls, a record low of 35 degrees. Um, Mammoth Mountain finally closed just a couple days ago, after 261 days of skiing, breaking the all-time record. Isn't this weird that we're having this this all happen at a time when, um, according, to the, according to CNN, that we have record heat, record global heat? Yeah, you get my point. So we're gonna we're gonna leave the topic of global warming and talk about something really cool and exciting: ancient American, ancient American magnetic sculptures. So um, this is actually from Harvard. The, uh, also, this whole article is from Harvard and this whole report. So, you know, you can trust that, right? But it's actually good stuff. We'll catch you after the break. everybody we are back thank you for staying tuned um i do have to say a little bit about our uh, our coming friends in the united nations that are going to descend upon a town where i live here in salt lake city um they're coming to propagate their global warming hoax and it's kind of ironic to me i mean i i, I don't sometimes like I, I get in discussions with people and a lot of people you know most people almost i i worry or believe in this nonsense and they're like oh well you're a business owner you're a you're a machine shop owner you know you you pollute things and get paid for it you know you don't you wouldn't care i think all of us I, I'm, I'm sure all of us i hate pollution um and that's what really makes me 
pretty dang upset when I think about this because the, the continuing of the poisoning of our planet in such a myriad of ways is propagated by these same people. Um, take, for instance, 5G. Um, Brian and I were talking about that over the break. He was telling me how beehives around these 5G towers, the bees are dropping dead. That doesn't surprise me. Um, 5G has been studied by the CIA for decades. And it's been proven to cause everything from sterility to mental lethargy, emotional and mental control. Um, you know, uh, you start thinking about things like our fluoridated water. Fluoride is a neurotoxin. Um, every study that's ever honestly studied that has proven that. Harvard claims that it will drop uh, regularly ingesting fluoride. It'll drop your IQ a massive 10 points. Uh, fluoride should never be ingested, ever, ever. It might, and I emphasize might, help uh, calcify your teeth, rub it on your teeth, and spit it out. It has no place in your body. But yet, yeah, our government's putting it in our water supply. Um, maybe they should talk about that at the UN, right? Um, how about the glyphosate that's in everything, like everything from all of the soil to dog food, tampons, you name it. It's everywhere. The poison vaccines that's causing our kids to have autism. Let's talk about the spraying of our skies. How about that? No, we won't talk about any of that. They won't talk about the crustal shift, the pole, sh the pole shifting. No, we won't hear about any of that. We're going to hear about this global warming hoax, and I'm sure we'll hear we'll have we'll hear all about uh, the champion Salt Lake's Salt Lake Mayor and all that. They'll attack the the family. Anyway, I better not I better not go down that road. But but let me end with this point. Um, it makes absolutely no difference to the climate whether you're driving a Prius or whether you're driving a Peterbilt diesel. It is a fact. It will make absolutely no difference to the hell nucleation and all of the real climate problems that are very real uh, that we're going to be facing. It will make zero difference. It won't make any difference who you vote for in the next election. It will make no difference at all, um, as all governments have institutionalized corruption, as we've talked about earlier. So anyway, let's talk about something a little more uh, Interesting. Well, I do have to mention this because you guys know how much I love NASA. Um, astronomers have discovered a super Earth just 31 light years away. But is it habitable or is it glacial? Um, oh, a potentially habitable super Earth has been discovered 31 light years away from our solar system, Ast astronomers announced on Wednesday. The planet named G uh, GJ357 is about six times larger than Earth and, our, and orbits a, dwar a dwarf star, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think they ought to maybe, just maybe, figure out and study the Earth that we're standing on because they still have absolutely no idea how our uh, – they don't even know what's in the middle of our Earth. We've only been down 40 miles. It could be peanut butter down there. They have absolutely no idea. Their, their model of what causes our magnetic shield is completely made up nonsense, but we're going to pretend that they know what's going on light years away. Um, they should take all that money and study the earth that we're standing on and the sun that's in our skies. That would be a great expenditure of our money. Anyway, actually, that wouldn't be either because it's none of their business. It's none of the government's business to take our money and study any of this stuff. But I digress. Okay. I want to talk about uh, Harvard. This is an article out of the Harvard Gazette. I thought this was so interesting. I want to read you just a little bit of it. Um, the the uh, title of the article is the, the Mesoamerican Attraction to Magnetism. I don't know if any of you has, have uh, 
seen any of these ancient, I don't know how old, this article doesn't say, but Mesoamerican, I, I think we're probably talking 1500 to maybe even 3000 BC, uh, some of these statues. Um, they're kind of chubby. The, the bodies are real chubby. The, the heads are real big, 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 large heads. Um, let me read you just a little bit from this article. Um, the purpose of Mesoamerican potbelly statues has been the subject of debate among anthropologists for decades. Are they depictions of the ruling elite? <laughs> Sorry, that kind of makes me laugh. A way to honor dead ancestors or perhaps portrayals of women giving birth. As various uh, theories wound their way through academic circles, the surprising discovery uh, decades ago that many of the statues found in Guatemala are magnetized in certain spots add a new dimension to those discussions. As a Harvard, Harvard, I like saying that, as a Harvard study suggests that where those areas show up is no accident. Now listen to this. Led by Assistant Professor of Earth and Planetary Sciences, Roger Fu, Roger F.U., that's his name. <laughs> okay, keep it together, Ralph. Roger F.U., Fu, would that be Fu? I'm going to say Fu and not F.U. Uh, a team of researchers has shown the artisans carved the figures so that magnetic areas fell at the navel and the temples, suggesting that not only Mesoamerican people were familiar with the concept of magnetism, but also that they had some way of detecting magnet magnetized spots. The study is described in an April 12th paper published in the Journal of, yeah, whatever. Um, our direct observation, this is uh, Professor Fu, is that uh, there are magnetic anomalies consistent on certain features of these sculptures, Fu said. And the question we asked is whether this is consistent with random chance or does it require some knowledge or awareness where those anomalies are? There is some chance that it could happen randomly, but as we find more and more sculptures that are all aligned like this, the smaller that likely, likelihood becomes, he continued. In this paper, we looked at uh, four, and we found less than a 1% chance that this was not intentional. A close study of the anomalies, Fu said, showed that they could not have been caused, or that they could only have been caused by one source, lightning. Whew. All rocks containing, yeah, we'll skip over that. So any, anyway, I don't want to read you this whole article, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, this is how he explains it. What happened here is that these rocks were struck by lightning sometime between when they were formed billions of years ago and when they were carved, Fu said. Because lightning is an electric current, it produces very strong magnetic fields. Many orders of magnitude stronger than normal, and we believe these ancient Mesoamerican people were able to detect these anomalies. Well, I don't imagine Professor Fu listens to our show, but if he is, I would point out to him uh, that in my humble opinion, we have evidence here that they're actually uh, giving gender to these statues. Let me explain why I say that. Um, it is no coincidence, again, in my opinion, that these magnetic anomalies and how preposterous. Like, I wonder to myself, like, there are so many thoughts I have on this article, I don't even know where to start. But I wonder to myself, how is it that there, this is the only way that that these ancient people could have uh, achieved this, right? They wandered the countryside aimlessly until they found a rock that had been struck by lightning and then somehow determined the poles of this magnetic structure and then carved it around there. Like how, how, uh, how is it that he could have never come to the conclusion that they just magnetized the statue after they covered it, right? You magnetize something by putting 
uh, putting current through it, as he correctly states. You put an anode and a cathode. That would be like a positive and a negative. Wherever you want it, turn the juice on, and you would magnetize that structure. And the human being has the exact same uh, sort of thing going on. We emit a magnetic field. It's called the human biosphere. In women, this comes out centru, uh, centrifugally through the head. That's out centrifugally through the head. And then it is in a toroid shape around the body and goes in centripetally exactly where you would think it goes in, right? In the males, it comes out and it goes in centripetally in the head. We'll talk about this a little bit after, uh, after the break. We're coming up against it. This is really interesting stuff. Stay tuned. Thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Um, If you've just joined us, we are talking about an article uh, on the Mesoamerican, uh, excuse me, uh, from the Harvard Gazette on the Mesoamerican attraction to magnetism. Professor F.U., I'm just going to say it that way because I think that's kind of cute. Professor F.U., spelled F.U., goes on to say that these statues were uh, created magnetically by being struck by lightning. And I, a couple things struck me. And I, if, I wish I had his email address. I would like to ask him a couple of questions because I was honestly really taken aback at his complete refusal to even consider what honestly seems to me pretty obvious. Um, and then I'll, I'll, just give you, I'll just give you this little tidbit. I think it will make a lot of sense to all of you as well. At the very bottom of this article, it says this research was supported with funding from NASA and the NSF. <laughs> that makes total sense now why we won't even consider. I want to talk a little bit after this article about some of the ancient um, Mesoamerican people and all the other people that came from Ararat and the technology that we see both before and after in the antediluvian period and uh, shortly thereafter. Um, it contradicts evolution and uh, this uh, basically what I like to call Satan science, um, that we all came from uh, chimpanzees, which came from rats, which came from worms and whatnot, which came from a chemical soup, which came from a Big Bang, which came from nothing. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense. There's zero proof of any kind for any of this um, other than PhDs endlessly quoting each other to get more funding. But anyway, I digress. Back to this article. Um, it's really interesting to me that some of these mag or some of these, because I looked into this, this article doesn't tell, uh, say this because I'm sure this, these people always have to be concerned about their funding. And you can't even mention gender anymore in our world for some reason. But um, in human beings, we have, as I mentioned before the break, we have what's called the, the human biosphere. We are uh, electrical creatures, which is why the 5G is such a such a horrible threat. And all the, the smart homes, everything pulsing this electromagnetic pollution is, um, is, is causing depression. It's causing all kinds of uh, 
problems. And but um, in females. I was telling Joe at the break, during the break, I think it's really interesting in, in like the ancient Hebrew, uh, words like wisdom were always feminine traits. Uh, you would never hear the word wisdom, um, placed on a man. Uh, knowledge was a male trait and wisdom, a female trait. The biosphere, um, if you, if you have ever seen a magnets, um, magnetic field, it comes out through the North pole centrifugally, which is means outwards, flung outwards like centrifugal force, um, rotates around in a toroid shape while moving in a phi spiral and comes in centripetally on a female, exactly where you would imagine um, it would come in centripetally. On a man, it comes out that same area and um, comes out centrifugally from the groin area and goes in centripetally into the mind into the uh, crown of the head through that chakra. How interesting is it that these statues are magnetically aligned in the same way? Now, we just have to say that these ancient people just, they were just hunters and gatherers and they, all they could do was, was carve stones with, I guess, sticks and stones, which doesn't really make a lot of sense either. But that these things were just happened to be struck by lightning. To me, that's ludicrous. Um, I think it's just another another example of how amazing these people were. Um, I want to talk just really briefly about that. Some of the uh, ancient Amer- ancient American cities and, and really throughout the world, like the the Roman uh, temple in Athens. I want to say it's the Temple of Zeus. That is built on top of a foundation that was already there. The, these stones are some two thousand tons, up to ten thousand tons, and they are cut perfectly square within 10 thousandths of an inch and they're the size of huge buildings like we could never create that today and they they have no idea the romans just kind of came upon this and thought well that'd be a good place to build our temple the the foundation's already built and we certainly could never build a foundation like that so in some of the places like in tiwanaku in uh in South America, we have these amazing structures that are built with stones that are hundreds of tons, thousands of tons, 20,000 feet up on a cliff and, cliff, and they're cut on like up to 36 sides, intricately interlocking to form these amazing structures. And they fit so perfectly. Even now, some 3,000, 4,000 years later, you cannot slide a piece of paper anywhere in any of these joints, even though this ground has been jostled around everywhere. It's amazing. We can never, I work in manufacturing every day and I can tell you there is absolutely no way that we could do anything like this. Um, these people were amazing. In some of the ancient, uh, Sanskrits, and if, if any of this stuff interests you, um, I would recommend um, a few sources. Probably the best one I've ever read is Jonathan Jonathan Gray's uh, Dead Men's Secrets. He goes on. Oh, he's he spent a lifetime researching this stuff. This is the same group that found Noah's Ark and uh, found Pharaoh's army at the bottom of the Red Sea and some other biblical sites. But he's also been tirelessly researching ancient technologies. Um, which you'll never hear about in mainstream academia because it conflicts their uh, their model, right? So in um, in the ancient uh, Hindu uh, Sanskrit writings, they they talk about flying machines. They're called the uh, oh darn it, the name's escaping me. Vimanu, um, 
And it's really interesting, the shapes that they describe there, even in some of these old uh, temples in India, there are pictures of um, hundreds of flying saucers descending from the sky in a war. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, that's proof of aliens. You know, and that may or may not be. I'm, I'm kind of softening a little bit on the whole little green men thing and the lizard people. I've, I used to say I think that's all nonsense, that I think these flying machines are all government dark ops, which there's no doubt they have. They're, they're patenting it now and actually telling us that they do, basically, if you read between the lines. But I can't say for sure. I, I, I try to keep an open mind, but there is no doubt that flying saucers were a thing uh, back then. Uh, they wrote about how they worked. Um, these ancient people in China, they found maps that um, were so incredibly accurate that we used them. Our Navy, the U.S. Navy, used those um, for navigation up until the day that we had satellites of our own in space and could create our own maps. But these maps were perfect, um, except for a couple uh, deviations. For one, uh, Antarctica was a temperate zone, uh, tropical. It showed in these maps that there was like rainforests and, and animals habiting these, uh, habiting its two land masses. And the, the funny thing is, when we bore down under the ice, guess what we find? We find rainforest. That's because the Earth's crust can shift. Back at that time, Antarctica was somewhere near the equator. Um, as the Earth's picture, uh, now, it's hard to describe on the radio, but I think you guys can follow me what, what, what I'm talking about here. Um, and there are different parts of the Earth that has taken its turn, being at the North and South Pole, turn, if you will, or whatever. I'm, I don't really anymore believe uh, even in an ice age. I think all these uh, ice age theories are basically based on what they're observing as that particular land masses turn at the North Pole or the South Pole, if that makes sense. But um, in China, they also found these maps where there are uh, islands shown on the map. Um, I believe it's called the the Reince map is one of them. I can't think of the other one's name right now. But, but when we've uh, sent out sonar ships to those areas, we have found that those land masses have actually sunk, which really adds a lot of credence to some of the ancient Greek stories about um, – about um, Atlantis, which is something we'll definitely have to do a show on soon because Atlantis is really cool. I'm really starting to come around on Atlantis, too. Um, there are so many amazing things in our past. Um, man is an amazing creature, and he has risen before and fallen, uh, which kind of is dictated by our nature. But it's not something you're going to learn about in the Harvard Gazette. Um, but there is, there is a lot of truth out there if you look for it. Um, on the last break, I want to talk a little bit about family and the UN. Um, I, I was in an interesting discussion with a family member the other day, and he was saying, oh, I'm, I'm really worried about – I'd like to get more involved, but I'm worried about getting put on a government watch list and et cetera. And I just thought, you know what? That is so sad that, that we're afraid to be active in our communities because we're afraid of our government is going to come give us an IRS audit. Or something like that, right? I don't know if any of you have had that thought. I can't say I never have. But I don't know. At some point, actually, we're probably going to run out of time. I'll, I'll tell you this story after the break. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about that and finish up with ancient America. And uh, a couple other fun things. And we will see you after this last break.
Hey, everybody. We are back. Thank you for staying tuned. I want to talk a little bit. I, I know some of these things I talk about might be a little bit, uh, I don't know, might be a little bit, might make you afraid, uh, things like crustal shift. And I, I, for me, I would rather know the truth. Like, give me the truth any day of the week and let me work my way through it than lie to me and keep me. I, um, I, I love, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie The Matrix. I'm sure most people have. It is an R, and I try to not watch R-rated movies. But I saw it back when I really didn't pay much attention to what a movie's rating was. And I really like the parallel. I, I think, I know there are angels about us. And I think even those wonderful people in Hollywood get a little inspiration to, to share with us. And I think there are so many parallels in that movie that there is uh, more going on here than meets the eye. Um, and I... I, I would much rather take the truth. Give me that red pill any day of the week. You can take that blue blue pill and stick it. Um, and I want to, you know, it, if it doesn't make any difference who we vote for, whether they have an R or a D after their name, they're basically just as corrupt. Um, what does make a difference? Well, um, you know, I, I just a quick little digression. I, I'm always in awe when I see people take someone like like the Finnicums or Ammon Bundy. Um, I'm thinking back to uh, I, I saw I believe it was Carol Bundy. Is that Cliven's wife? She was talking about um, about um, flying to I think it was Canada or see a family member somewhere and how she was escorted by like four agents all the way through the airport because she's on their watch list. We're we're talking about the fear of getting on a watch list. Um, this cute little old grandma. If you saw her, she's the cutest lady you ever saw. And they made everybody get off the plane, and it's just like, you got to be kidding me, right? Well, you know what? When I, I'm in just in awe when I listen to people like Jeanette Finnegan or, or Ammon Bundy. Like, where – if that was me, I, I, I don't know. I fear I would just be, like, so bitter and angry. And I think it's important that we uh, drink a, a, out of the bitter cup, so to speak, that we all get, get handed without becoming bitter. Um, and to this friend of mine that asked me a couple weeks ago – you know, how do you, aren't you afraid that you're going to be on a government watch list or something? And I thought about it for a minute and I thought, you know, I don't know. For me, I might get emotional. I envision maybe someday if I'm really lucky and if I, if I live, live a good life that maybe I could return to that. I envision like a great Liberty Hall in the sky, right? And, um, it'll be big and there'll be people there like George Washington and Captain Moroni and the, the Sons of Liberty and, and Joan of Arc. What an amazing young woman Joan of Arc was. Um, and all those great and good people and maybe me kind of slinking up, maybe trying to find some standing room seat in the very, very back, maybe maybe with a mop or something, but to, to just be there, right? Um, walking up to that desk and, and them looking at me probably quite skeptically, kind of thinking, what are you doing here, right? Um, I intend absolutely to at least be able to say, well, <laughs> I made it on a government watch list and they'll be probably be like, oh, all right, well, come on in. You can have a spot in the back, right? You know what? We can't worry about that. Um, I think sometimes we take life a little too serious and, um, I don't know about you, but I've decided a couple of years ago that I, I just can't just walk my life out a slave in chains, um, and not say anything, right? Keep my head down and my mouth shut. Um, as I've continued to wake up, and I, I know you guys probably feel the same if you're listening today, um, things like here where I live, I like to call it the Salt Lake Sanhedrin, basically all the corrupt people that say one thing come election time and then do the exact opposite, like smash the lock off the Constitution. Utah's 
join the many states that want to shred our constitution and rewrite it, things like that. You know, we need to stand against it. And the way that we can make a difference is by me standing up for your rights and you standing up for my rights. And together we will stand and defend our rights. And that is the only way. We're not going to we're not going to do it in a courtroom. We're not going to hire an attorney and, and sue the government to please give us a little bit of our money back or please stop making us stand in line and et cetera and so on. Right. Um, that's the way we do it. Um, I was talking a little bit earlier about family. And I, I think it's kind of I was I was reading an article the other day and I heard that the town that I live in, Salt Lake City, which traditionally is kind of a Christian town. This is the this is the headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and pretty high percentage of uh, maybe not in downtown. There's downtown's kind of been well, you guys know everybody I think has a big city near them. Big cities tend to kind of go a little more liberal, but traditionally this is a pretty Christian town and we're going to be one of the first cities in America to have 5G rolled out. Um, we're going to be the first city in America to have the UN convene outside of New York City. And I thought to myself, why is that? And then I saw on my wall a uh, – uh, uh, it's not really a picture. It's uh, – those of you that are, are members or are familiar with the church that I'm, I'm a member of will recognize this. This is called The Family, a Proclamation to the World. And in my opinion – and this is my opinion, of course – I think this is why they're coming here. Um, I want to read to you. How much time do we have left, Brian? Okay, sweet. I want to read to you just a couple sentences from the beginning and from the end of this. Um, this is, again, from the, proclama uh, the family, a proclamation to the world. And regardless of whether you're a person of faith or not, just listen to this and tell me what how this resonates. Remember we talked about our little truth detectors that we all have in our hearts? Tell me how this sounds to you. Uh, we, the First Presidency, and the Council of the Twelve, that's the ruling body of uh, the church that I belong to, apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained <clears throat> of God, and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. All human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. Each is a beloved spirit, son or daughter of heavenly parents. And as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. Gender is an essential characteristic of individual, premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. I want to skip to the end of this, of this document. We warn that individuals who violate the covenants of chastity, who abuse spouse or offspring, who fail to fulfill family responsibilities will one day stand accountable before God. Further, we warn that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, communities, and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets. We call upon responsible citizens and officers of government everywhere to promote these measures designed to maintain and strengthen the family as the fundamental unit of society. Now, um, that's some pretty powerful stuff. And I would, I would present to you that there are probably nations on earth now where you can go to jail for just saying this. Um, but I, I love the fact that the, of the 15 men that signed this proclamation, uh, one of them is leading the church today, President Nelson, and they have not backed away 
one whit from this, and I don't think you should, and uh, I certainly won't either. Um, how do we, how do we get through the times ahead? Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the ark, by uh, means of a mysterious earthquake, was lifted out of the ground uh, on Mount Ararat and stands for us to witness today. I don't think it's a coincidence, and you guys have heard me say this before, but you're going to have to endure it again, sorry. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Ark of the Covenant's been found. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, that Moses' uh, crossings, the columns of Solomon and all of that, the, the Pharaoh's army, has been found. I think there's a message in this to us. And I think the message is quite simple. No reason to be afraid, but there is a very much so a reason uh, to listen and to act. And what do we do to act? Uh, how is it that we... Um, how is it we can find peace and we can actually find solace and actually begin to make a difference in this world when there seems to be so much aligned against us? Well, I know I know a story about a man who stood up against the most powerful military on earth and uh, and freed his people, parted the oceans, and uh, and won. I know a story about a woman uh, named Joan of Arc who stood against. Uh, at a time when France was absolutely destitute, ready to cave in and give in to the British, um, she stood and said no. And she turned, she cleaned up her army, she kicked out the prostitutes, she told them to stop cussing, to look to God, and they fought and they won. Um, I know a story, um, well, you know, we're going to run out of time, but you guys get the gist of it. I know a story about General Washington, who escaped uh uh, the the British forces by pea soup fog and hurricane force winds occurring in the same night in the same place. Is that possible? Of course not. But everything's possible with God. So that's my message this week. Uh, look to the Lord. Uh, treat your wife good. Treat your kids good. Fear not. And we'll uh, have another good week. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.